BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast out of patience right here on the Offscript Media Network. Hey, I'm Alura Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. Matt gets me. He knows I'm tired, annoyed, and sometimes pushed to the brink by the intense chaos of our lives right now. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. Conspiracy theorists and haters shall be neutralized on site. All right, Matt, let's get at it. so excited. We were off last week and like now I have extra enthusiasm for this week. It's like the cholesterol buildup of what the fuckery. Yes, but first I'm so excited. I have to share with you my excitement. Guess what happened in this last week? What happened? Two major things. First, I had my first orchestra rehearsal post-pandemic. In person, on stage, everybody there playing Beethoven. It was amazing. We're back. So how'd you get through the masks with a reed? No masks. We were outside. Ah. I know. The music I, loophole. Be outside. The music loophole. <laughs> yes. And I mean, you know, I play the piccolo anyway, so I wouldn't have been able to wear a mask. But really, you know, a few of the string players, they kept their masks on, which, you know, was fine. Certainly didn't, you know, bother anybody one way or another. But we were able to be there in person, mostly unmasked. You know, maybe we sat a little bit farther from each other than we usually would, but we were close enough that you could still, you know, hear one another play. And it was glorious. That's amazing. It was. It I was did not have huge. that experience, although I did have a fun two weeks since our last. Yeah, we, we took the kids again away to a place that didn't need masks, the outdoors. <laughs> not Florida. <laughs> not Florida, exactly. But we, you know, we had a lot of fun. We did, we did what we normally do, and we, we met my parents, and we, we stayed at this hotel, and we swam. And again, like this idea of normalcy, and I will add, as I think I do every show, we are now, I think, 26 days without incident at the school. They're still open. Amazing. They're still open. I love this, this, this hotel swim situation that you have going on, that you just randomly go and stay in hotels. You know, I, I, I traveled a lot. In the before times, and I've amassed <laughs> before times. many, many points with Marriott that I just can't use. And, you know, I think I mentioned this on the show as well, like, you know, taking my kids to glamorous Edison, New Jersey, you know, for $39 a night at some courtyard that is desperate for people to show up and their pools are open. It's like going to Greece. We're swimming in the ocean in Edison, Fabulous. New Jersey. <laughs> you might see a dolphin, like look out the window. It's all they need. It's all they need. And it's so nice that, A, we're Hopefully, Knockwood's still coming out of this, at least in this country. We can talk about other countries and a, 
other episodes. But yeah, here we are trying to actually figure out what the hell normal is. And are we all going to go through some collective PTSD in this country? Because I, I'm seeing that. I'm feeling that. I see it in the kids. I, I, well, you know what? It, it's interesting that you bring up the kids because I also had a kind of monumental kids weekend because we belong to a community swim club and that is our happy place all summer, every summer. And uh, last year we were able to open, which was really great, but it was with a lot of restrictions and people were very hesitant to be close to one another. And there was a lot of telling the kids like, you know, don't get in anyone's face and only play with other kids in your bubble. Um, So it was like open and it was, it was nice, but it was weird last year. And we just opened this weekend. You know, in New Jersey, we had fabulous 48 degree rainy weather. My daughter still went in the pool, by the way. Well, I had she's a, a mermaid. She's a mermaid. So I For had the a listeners hat. that don't know this already. Your daughter is a mermaid. <laughs> Apparently she is. Um, yeah, I had a hat and coat on, like a literally a winter hat and coat on. And she went in the water to do her deep end test. And um, but on Memorial Day, it was uh, it was warmer. It was a beautiful day out. And everyone came out to to our swim club and we had a big barbecue and the kids played. And the kids that I saw, it was very much like COVID was a distant memory. And they played, they were in a big group together. They were so happy. And even though I think they weren't necessarily conscious of the fact that this was the first time in a long time that they had been all together, you could see it. You could see the joy. It was palpable. And it was really exciting to just sit on the side and watch them all just do their kid thing together. And it was it was wonderful. Something we've all been really aware of as adults is the mental impact this has had on our kids for the last year and change. I don't really believe there's going to be an instant snapback to as if it never happened. But where are you in the eyes of like, my kids have not been social with their friends outdoors in a year and a half, and now they're seeing them again, not on Zoom. Is it really going to be like it never happened? Well, I mean, I think that there have to be some lasting effects, and I'm sure we'll see those effects. But I do think that Kids are so used to being told, you know, this is what we're doing today and sort of not having the same type of control that adults have over things. And I think that kids are able to have a little bit more elasticity with bouncing back to things. So, I I mean, I'm sure there's going to be long-term effects, but seeing what I saw this weekend, it was very hopeful because it was a lot of kids with a lot of different personalities and a lot of different individual family experiences but put all together in what was a familiar environment with kids that they all knew, they did at least to some degree snap back to what was kind of their normal. You know, I don't know if it felt the same to them, but I know that it looked the same to us. And it was really, really great to see. That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. Well, kudos. Yeah, it was fun. So looking forward to a great summer all around. You will have to bring your kids to swim in our pool. Well, we've been wanting that to happen for years. Yes. Well, we, well, I will make it happen this year. Now we have a podcast. Now we'll have to talk. About yes. <laughs> we are, we, we've always been geographically distant, but yet geographically inseparable. Exactly. So we're, yeah, we're going to have to make this happen. But wait, I have mind-blowing news for you. Prepare to have your mind blown. Are we talking about something in the news now? We are. I don't know if you have the same thing I have, but as we're thinking about what is going to happen with COVID vaccines in the future? And, you know, there's all this talk about annual booster shots and all that. The first thought I had was, oh, now I'm going to have to bring my kid for two shots every year, the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine. And that's two times I'm going to have to wrangle my kid into the pediatrician's office and bargain with her over getting a shot. 
I imagine your kids also do not enjoy shots. They don't enjoy shots, no. No, and it's like a thing. Like some kids, some kids like hide under the table. Some kids deal with it like, you know, they're walking slowly to their demise. But like, obviously no one enjoys shots. And it can be such a stressful thing for, for kids to get shots, even though as adults, we kind of, you know, we're used to it. But it turns out that someone is developing, get this, a vaccine patch. What, like nicotine? So I think it's a little different than nicotine because the nicotine patch, I think I think you don't really even feel it when it goes on your skin. Um, this, it's similar. It's like a Band-Aid, but it has what's called micro needles in it. So I think that they, they are saying that it feels like Velcro. So like you'll feel like a little scratchiness, but it won't really be like a shot. And what they are are little teeny tiny micro needles made out of silicone that deliver the vaccine into your skin. And then, ready for this? The little micro needles dissolve into your skin. <laughs> I, I have no speechless. response. I literally have no response. That's You're like, like without speech. That's like Star Trek shit. That's crazy good. Wait, and guess what else? This technology, it's already in use. Not with vaccines, though. So it's it's kind of akin to the mRNA. We rushed the vaccine. No, we didn't because we've been doing mRNA research for like a decade. Right. Well, this, as is often the case, this technology of these microneedles, it's already actually being used all over the place in places like Sephora and Ulta, not at all for vaccines, but to deliver retinol into your skin to make your wrinkles go away. So like a Botox Band-Aid. It's kind of like a Botox Band-Aid. Yeah. And and you can like look it up. It's called microneedling. And it's like this technology where you put a patch on and it delivers something subdermally. That's a real dermatological word. I'm feeling dermatological today. Yes. But I mean, that's cool, right? Then they should get boosters out of Sephora. That would be great. <laughs> like you could that. go for like your manicure and booster Manny Petty Botox booster? <laughs> yes, that, it could be like a Medispa thing. But I feel like, that, first of all, if this technology existed, why weren't we already using this for vaccines? Just checking. This is not the uh, first vaccine. Yes. Like, kids get vaccines all the time. Why can't they give like that's the- my, That's my scientific answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like what is it? Like the chicken pox, the varicella, the mump. Why can't they give MMR vaccine through the Velcro? Can these companies work with like Dewars and Smirnoff, please? <laughs> yes. That would be awesome. And, and you know, it's interesting because you said, is it like the nicotine patch? I don't think that the technology is exactly the same. But if you look at it, like look at all of the people that need to stop smoking. So there was such a market to do that. And, you know, money went into developing an easy way to deliver the nicotine to make that more practical. And I think that's what we're seeing with COVID that now because of what we've gone through, the seriousness of the vaccine and the urgency of the vaccine is, you know, at an all time high. So now it's like, you know, spurning on these efforts to to be more creative and to get it to more people in an easier way. And I think that this would probably have a really practical effect on society because I guarantee that there are parents that cannot be bothered fighting their kids to deal with shots that maybe would do it if all they had to do was put it like a Band-Aid thing on. I mean, this won't change anti-vaxxers, of course, but I feel like you could do bait and switch. Like if an anti-vaxxer <laughs> like gets a boo-boo, oh, wrong Band-Aid, you're vaccinated. I have had a handful of people who have said to me that they're not planning to get the vaccine. And when I've pressed them on why, they've said, I don't like needles. And I don't know if that response was true or if that response was a way of them ducking out of an anti-vax conversation with me. Mm -hmm. But I feel that if it really is the the needle issue, um, this kind of you know 
kind of dissolves that whole argument, right? Like, so there is no needle. So it would help on both fronts because if you're an anti-vaxxer, but you're not comfortable being like sort of out as an anti-vaxxer, now you have nothing to hide behind if you can deliver it by a Band-Aid. I feel like this is kind of like, yes, how have I not known about this? A, I don't go to Sephora. Right. Number one. I, did, I do go to Sephora and I've never heard of this. But that's, we're, we're potentially looking at the entire, like a revolution in no more needles in many incidences. Right. And you know what's cool? Uh, another like, you know, secondary blowing of the mind is that the technology actually did not come from the healthcare industry. It came from the computer chip industry. Are we implanting shit in us that I don't yet know about that dissolves on our arms? I mean, could be. Somebody call Bill Gates, ask him. <laughs> don't feed the beast. I sort of feel like if they can deliver shit like through my skin like that where I won't even notice it. Can they just do everything that way? Can they do like vitamins and how about water? Because I never drink enough water. Can you just right. like work that out with a patch? That's a big Band-Aid to throw on your arm there. <laughs> I don't know, but figure it out. Like if they're You're dissolving. You're like dragging behind a water tower behind you with this Band-Aid on your arm. I sort of feel like if they can figure out silicone microneedles that dissolve in my skin without me noticing it, like they can find a way to get me to drink 64 ounces of water a day without needing to actually drink it. It just sounds awesomely terrifying and yet terrifyingly awesome. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. I told you, your mind is blown, isn't it? <laughs> pretty, pretty blown, for sure. <laughs> All right, what's next? I have more mind-blowing information for you. I mean, that was band-aids that dissolve in your arm. That's pretty mind-blowing. That's the crazy Star Trek shit. Yeah. No, th this is mind-blowing in a totally different way. So, you know, you and I are both very sensitive to the idea that there is like massive scale bullshit going on out there in the ether, right? Like there's hoaxes. There's people who think they're going to inhale proteins and all kinds of crazy shit. We've talked about that ad nauseum on this show because it's just too damn entertaining. <laughs> exactly. Here's one, though, that I 100% fell for, and it turns out it's false. So do you know all of those people out there that have been getting pandemic pets? Yeah, yeah. And they're all named Fauci. <laughs> Every yeah, dog actually. is named Fauci. So, I mean, I personally know at least five or six people who have gotten puppies during the pandemic. And I've heard lots of, of anecdotally other people who have gotten pets. And then there were all of these stories that came out recently about how many of the people who got pets during the pandemic have now returned them and that the shelters are seeing like an unprecedented amount of pets being returned Wait, to shelters. Can you return a pet? Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah. Because like when you buy a Mac, you can't return it. You have to like find someone else to give it to. The shelters want to make sure that you're not stuck with a pet that you don't want. So this sounds horrifying. It sounds terrible. The entire thing is false. The entire thing. So this idea that more people than ever before have adopted pets during the pandemic, totally false. In fact, the amount of people who adopted pets during the pandemic was down 20% in 2020 for dogs and down 11%. Where does 11 data like this come from? Well, the thing is, Petco? I mean- Petco? Like, who, who has these trends? It's like crazy. But it was so weird because I knew people that adopted pets during the pandemic and it sounded totally reasonable that people would, you know, they were alone, they were home and they got pets. Like it made perfect sense. Turns out 
the data does not bear it out. Less people than ever have adopted pets this year. Apart from that, there is no evidence that people are returning pets any more than usual. So we all got pet pandemic punked. Yeah. And it's like total bullshit. And major newspapers like USA Today reported, they had a headline that said like, you know, everyone's returning their pandemic pets. So the New York Times actually did an investigation to see if it was really true. And they called all these shelters. They did all this research. And the whole thing was nonsense. What would be the point of saying this? It doesn't seem like it's something that would matter if you're going to fake it. If you're going to fake it, at least say aliens invented this and, you know, the Bill Gates stuff is ridiculous. But at least you could attach some level of, of, of origin to why that would matter to people. No, I don't think it was purposeful. I think it was lazy journalism because it sounds like what happened is people who wrote these stories about the pandemic pets, they just called like a shelter. And, you know, maybe they called a shelter in like Manhattan where there were more people than usual adopting pets. And they they just like forgot to call a shelter in, you know, Idaho to see if they were having the same exact uh, result. And it, it my guess is that it probably is highly regional. You know, like if you have people in big cities who were stuck in apartments, like in New York, there were people that were absolutely stuck in their apartments for a year. Maybe there were more adoptions there. But then when you go into other parts of the country where people weren't so shut in, you had even less adoptions because the pet centers themselves were closed. So, I mean, I, I assume it's maybe in different pockets of the country, there were different results. But as a whole, it's it's really like an urban myth that everyone adopted a puppy and now everyone's giving it back. Neither one of those things is true. Kind of makes you wonder what they did with all the puppies when the shelters <laughs> closed. Well, I remember seeing, at least on my local social media feeds, I remember seeing shelters say uh, that they needed help because the shelters were closed and could someone take them home. But I think also they like didn't get in. Like wherever, I have no idea what the origins of of shelter <laughs> The dog come. breeding universe or something. I also just saw, I went to the movies for the first time this past weekend in 18 months, and I saw Cruella, which was amazing. Speaking um, so, of dogs that get skinned, really, yes. <laughs> a great way to, to like set up a home? character who's going to skin dogs one day. <laughs> she has a fantastic backstory. Um, go see it. It was so good. But I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't really know about the supply chain of dogs. <laughs> you kind of want to believe it because it makes sense that, you know... It, People are going through a real isolation crisis and a social anxiety to the extreme experience, and it's not good for anyone. Get a pet. Why not? It's yeah. therapy. I think it, uh, it, I think the reason that there was all this misinformation is because it made sense. So people just sort of assumed it was true. Turns out, not so much. See, I'm on the record saying the only thing preventable is pet ownership, and I guess even a pandemic – can make you not get a pet, says me. No pet. Yeah, I mean, you might remember in the beginning of the pandemic, everyone, like for the first two weeks, everyone was saying there's going to be a million uh, babies born. Yes. You know, everybody said there's going to be. And then someone finally said, no, there's only going to be a lot of first children born. Anyone who already has children at the time of the pandemic is definitely not having any more during the pandemic. That is astutely accurate. But I wonder, like people joked about it, but I think people did believe it, that there would be like a baby boom nine months after the initial lockdown. I wonder if that really happened. I suspect it did not because people were so traumatized that I doubt a lot of people were choosing this as a great time to start a family. We can only find out what the future holds in the future. <laughs> but it's already nine months past the lockdown. So that future is in the past, isn't it? 
I can't think anymore. <laughs> what day is it? November 5th, 1955. <laughs> <laughs> My flux capacitor stopped fluxing a long time ago. Exactly. Hey, yo. <laughs> On that note, here's some ads. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. .edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. All right, we're back. And I really love digging into conspiracy theories, especially in COVID because there's so many of them. But it turns (laughs) out that there's something here that may not be a conspiracy theory. And yet it's spiraling into reality in the science world. What are we talking about? So we're talking about the origin of COVID. Now that we're on the road to recovery, we're just going to take a minute to like look back and find out what the fuck happened. How did this even happen in the first place? And it sounds like no one's really sure if it was the bat, you know, of of lore or if it was uh, the wet market bat, the wet market, the wet market bat. Or did I tell you my daughter wanted to be a bat next Halloween? No. I was like, please don't mer- be the Wait, were you going back to the mermaid animal thing with her? <laughs> I was like, please don't be the COVID bat. That's like really oh God, creepy. <laughs> that would that, be a great Halloween costume. When is that going to be not too soon to be the COVID bat? To, or Halloween. to have like a joint costume like the bat and the COVID Oh, bonus. God. <laughs> not okay. Sorry, that's terrible. This Halloween is going to be fucked up. Our end of non sequitur. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, the like, COVID right, so- bat. The COVID bat was the reason. We knew that. And now and did we it's know- not... I don't know. I, like I, I don't know. I, I, like, you want to believe. You want to believe. Do I want to believe it? I don't know. Because, it, you know, basically we thought it was this the wet market bat. Now scientists have been looking into what they're calling the lab leak theory. And that theory is that scientists in China were working on coronavirus research and that accidentally there was a leak from the lab and that several of the scientists got sick. And then that was kind of ground zero for the pandemic. Now, scientists have said, sure, that's possible. It could have happened that way. Now, that doesn't mean it did happen that way because it also could have happened from the bat or some other zoonotic event. Gesundheit. 
<laughs> yes. So, I mean, it could have been that because viruses do jump species like that. So we kind of know how it could have happened, but we don't know how it did happen. So, I mean, I guess it's important to know how it did happen. And um, President Biden directed the U.S. intelligence community to double down on its efforts investigating what the hell happened. Not surprising, the Chinese government's like, what are you talking about? Case closed. Bat. There's no what. <laughs> pay no attention to the bat behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and of course, no, there's all these looks into, well, where were the scientists in China? And when did they first come into contact with someone? And when was the first case of COVID in the U.S.? So there's a lot of, you know, you know, looking back retroactive detective work, you know, as studies are being done to try to figure it out. You know, Dr. Fauci even pointed out that it doesn't make sense to study things that didn't happen at the actual scene in Wuhan. So, for example, like he said, you don't want to study bats in Virginia to find out what was happening in China because that, you know, that's not going to help you figure it out. So this lab leak theory, you know, we, we know that scientifically it makes sense. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's what happened. Um, but, you know, the government's kind of looking into it where that will go. I couldn't tell you. I just feel like this is going to open up a Pandora's box of more conspiracies that we did it to ourselves, or this was a bio attack and China was like doing this on purpose, or this was planned as a global social experiment to kill people, the viral Holocaust. I've heard all these crazy things. And this seems to be a way to exacerbate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. Did you see that episode of John Oliver when he talked about why people need conspiracy theories? Now, it was fascinating. So John Oliver talked about this psychological study about that the reason why people need conspiracy theories to explain really big events is because psychologically, we don't want to accept that a ginormous global event could be triggered by a sort of random occurrence, that it, it's more acceptable to us that when something has monumental consequences, that it happened as a result of a lot of people being involved with it. And that if it's something that's not so consequential, we're, we're okay accepting that maybe something that's not so important happened as a result of a random happenstance. Like moon landing, Kennedy. Right, right. And, flat and, and Earth. The, the study that they brought up on the John Oliver show, it was really fascinating. It, they said if you, took, if you take the Kennedy assassination and the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan and you put them side by side, the events are very similar. There's a million conspiracy theories about Kennedy but not many about the Reagan attempted assassination because it didn't work. So people don't need this kind of you know, monumental explanation because it didn't really do anything in terms of changing the course of history. But people need that feeling when it comes to the Kennedy assassination. And, and this could be the same thing because we're talking about COVID, an event that is so large in scale that people will sort of psychologically have a need to explain it in a way that goes beyond just, oh, there was a bat and it happened, you know, it happened to jump species. It's almost like it's not a good enough explanation to satisfy. But I feel like this is the powder keg of bad news at this point. Oh, the people think? looking for a thing to blame. You know, if they're going to laser focus on hating China for doing this or Fauci knew or I can't even imagine what, what the, the Cretans are coming up with these days to satisfy Something that just doesn't exist. When you throw in the fact that we, you know, we have this trend of anti-Asian violence going on, it's very scary because, you know, it, we always joke in the show, oh, Florida and all the craziness Florida is doing, but we don't really mean that we would, you know, have any kind of hatred toward uh, Americans that are, you know, in Florida right now. But imagine what could happen if wide scale, the world really found out that, 
you know, China was at fault more than we originally thought. Imagine what would happen to Americans of Chinese descent, of you know, to other Asian cultures. I mean, it would it could just snowball out of control in a way that is so crazy and would only exacerbate the effects of an already terrible pandemic. So it's kind of like, do we really even want this information? Maybe it's better just leaving it ambiguous. I'm on the what fence would, with that because because you want to know to know the truth. Yeah, but the but you truth can't handle might the kill truth. Lots of people, innocent people, and you don't want that either. Right, like you want the truth, but also we can't handle the truth. Yes. Right. This is Jack Nicholson in viral right. form. Exactly. So it's like, I don't even know what the hell, what are we going to do with this information if we get it? Hate bats? Hate China? Like who the fuck knows? Hate scientists? It's, it's, I don't know. I feel like I'd rather just, I'd like to say it's the bat and move on. Just like the, the AIDS monkey. Oh, right. Marcel was the AIDS monkey, by the way. <laughs> was it Marcel? Marcel, the same ape that was in uh, Ape. In Outbreak? <laughs> the same monkey in Outbreak was Marcel and Friends. It Fun was? fact of the day, listeners. Wait, it was? Yeah. No. Yeah. I didn't know that. Did you watch the Friends reunion? I did. Where Ross, where David Trimmer said he hated the monkey? Yeah. Are, we, are we really skewering into the, another timeline here on the show? But <laughs> hey, watch the Friends reunion. It's worth it. It was really fun. I can't believe he didn't like the monkey. And I, my mind is blown. I can't believe the outbreak monkey is Marcel. I had no yeah. idea. You why know do that? you know that? Why I, do you know that? I don't know why I know that. But I know that. See, you just made up. I blew your mind at the beginning. You blew my mind at the end. <laughs> and know, it's full I circle. It, it's a, all right, listeners, prove me wrong, but I think that's accurate. I think that is not a mat fact, as I know you've called him in the past. <laughs> I believe that is an actual fact that the monkey in Friends was the monkey in Outbreak. The monkey in Outbreak gave me nightmares for months. So <laughs> the little girl talking to the monkey, I can't. I'm traumatized. I'm more traumatized from the Outbreak monkey than I am from the entire COVID pandemic. Well, I guess the next movie is A Few Good Coronaviruses. <laughs> yes. Are we allowed to joke about coronavirus? We shouldn't. It's sad. It's, it, is it, when is it too soon and not too soon? I can joke about anything. So. I suppose so. Yeah. Well, again, our hearts go out to everyone who's died. That's not good. Nothing's good about no, nothing's good. any of this. No. Well, Elora, with all due respect to reality and how we can get away with dancing Nazis and the producers... I think it was Steve Allen that once said that comedy is tragedy plus time. That works. That works for this. Yeah. Our heart goes out to people who lost people and it's never good. So with all that said, you shocked me with viral Band-Aid, no needle people. And dogs. And I shocked you that Marcel is the monkey from Outbreak and Friends. <laughs> I'm shocked. I will continue the rest of my day just being shocked. Shocked, I say. Shocked. Came over the waters. Or we're in the middle of a desert. <laughs> Casablanca. No one. Tweet, tweet, chirp, chirp. Casablanca. All right. We're ending on Casablanca. This episode of Vaxxon was not brought to you by Marcel Morocco. the Monkey. <laughs> by Morocco. Okay. <laughs> All right, folks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next time. That's all for today, folks. If you like today's show, the conversation continues on Twitter at VaxonPod. That's V-A-X-O-N pod. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your friends to listen. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Media. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. Our senior producers are Brianna Seeley and Andrew McDowell. It is mixed and edited by Brianna Seeley. Our theme music is by Chair Model. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments, feedback, and make recommendations. 
For more information, visit offscript.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.